Thanks, bro. Really hyped me up, so now I have to do a good job. Um, before we get started, um, I didn't tell Justin I was going to do this, but, you know, right now, we can't ignore what's happening on what's happening right now in the world and everything going on with Ukraine and Russia and the impact that it could have on the U.S. and our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and in Russia who are probably right now praying that nothing happens. So if we can just bow our heads real quick and just do a quick prayer for them. God, we thank you that you are king over all the earth, God. And God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and in Russia, God. We pray that the God of peace, Lord God, would enter in, Lord God. That you would bring peace to this situation, that it would, Lord God, not escalate to a war, that nobody, nobody would die, no lives would be lost, God. But God, that you would have the final say in all of this, Jesus. Speak to the presidents of both countries, Lord God. Speak to those who can mediate, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that everything could be handled diplomatically, Lord God. Without anything being fired, Lord God, that everything would be done, Lord God, in a way, Lord God, that would bring glory to your name. We pray for the churches in both those countries, Lord God, in those surrounding areas, God. We pray that you would, Lord God, be with them, that you would strengthen them in this time, Lord God, that they would not lose hope in you. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Well, I'm excited to preach to you guys today. I'm excited to be here. Um, does anybody here like to rest? You can raise your hand. All right. Now, I know we have nappers here. Justin's a napper. My wife, who's somewhere around here, she's a napper, right? My dad's a napper. You know, those, and, and you have different kind of nappers. You have nappers that need to nap in a bed, and then you have those that can nap anywhere, like a Daniel St. Jean. You can nap anywhere. My man can fall asleep anywhere at all. And then there's people who like to rest, and they do it the other way, which is vacations. Who enjoys, like, that beach vacation where it's nice and quiet? I know Rose is right there. I can see Rose. Adelina's on vacation, like, every other week. I get so jealous. I see her Instagram. I'm like, how is this girl on vacation again? She just came back. Adelina, share your secrets with me after service. <laughs> Both those ways are really great. I am not a napper. If I have a nap, I wake up and I feel worse than I did before I took the nap. I'm one of those people. But I do enjoy my vacations. I go away with my parents every year and my kids. It's a vacation with kids, but there's times where we get to rest, and it's really fun. And, you know, I like all of that stuff. But today we're going to be focusing on another kind of rest, a rest at a vacation and a little nap can't do for you. And we're going to be jumping into uh, Chapter 3 of Ruth. Uh, the cool thing about this one is that Justin let me pick the book this time. So it was between this and Nehemiah, and Ruth was, like, screaming out to me, and I told him, and Ruth was screaming out to him. So that's kind of cool that we get to do this together. Before I start, Jess, I forgot to ask you, wherever you are, where are you? She's gone. She's disappeared. Can anybody ask her if she would be my valentine? Hi, honey. Would you be my valentine? She's right there in the window. It, it, all right, you will? All right. I was going to say, if you don't, I, got, I know a little girl that's in Z Kids right now. That she'll be my Valentine. All I got to do is give her a little princess thing, and that's it. She's good. Um, that's my daughter, Shiloh. Let's read Ruth chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5. It should be on your sheets. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you, 
is not Boaz, our relative, with whose young women you were. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Can you take down the monitor just a little bit? Thank you. So last week we left off, and Justin left left us off in a great place. Um, Ruth was going to be with Boaz through the wheat and the barley harvest. So that is definitely some weeks, if not months, of time that she was around Boaz. So while this is happening, Naomi, the good mother-in-law that she is, she starts getting this concoction going on in her head. Okay, Boaz is there. Ruth is there. She needs a husband. Let me see if I can get this working out. Now, I don't know about you people, but everybody seems to have a God's Cupid in their life. They think they're God's Cupid, right? So if you're single, they want to hook you up all the time. They're always trying to fix you up with somebody. I know someone at this church that they believe they're God's Cupid. I'm not going to say no names, but he happened to have the mic right before me. Um, This man, right, after service, he goes around, he's talking to people, he finds out you're single, his brain starts going, who's single and likes the same things this person likes? Then he concocts a way to get you guys to hang out together, maybe at his house or with a group of friends, hoping to set you up. Tiffany's laughing back there because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. I hear his ideas. He's like, this person's single. You know who'd be great for them? I'm like, why would that person be great for this person? Because they like cameras. It's like, Jonathan's laughing back there. I know that he knows that he's heard the same things. So you got those, you got the God's Cupid thing going on with Naomi. She's trying to fix up Ruth. Now we have to look at Ruth and Naomi and we have to understand the place that they're in. They're bankrupt. They have no rights to land. They have nothing going for them to say that they're going to continue to make it on, right? The only thing keeping them going is Ruth, gleaning in the field, bringing home what she gleans. Now, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be um, dumb, or I can't think of the word to say, but it wouldn't be smart to say, oh, they're just eating wheat. No, what she would do is take some, put some away to eat, and then they would take some and sell some so that they can get other things that they need. And this, Ruth is doing now for week after week after week after week. I don't know what it means to glean. I've never done this in my life. If anybody here has ever lived on a farm and can explain it to me, maybe I can understand. But I'm thinking she's bending over, picking up this stuff. Her back has to be killing her. All these things have to be going on. So Ruth knows, I mean, Naomi knows that this is not sustainable for Ruth to keep doing, to take care of both of them. So she has this idea, I have to get her a husband. But she says something that kind of made me stop when I read it. She says, I need to find you rest. Now, what is this rest that she's talking about? She needs to find her a nap? Like, I I didn't get it. Looking into it, husband meant rest for a wife. It didn't mean that she didn't have things to do in the house. It didn't mean that she didn't have responsibilities. What it meant is that a husband was to provide security, provision for the home, love and care for his wife. To all the husbands or potential husbands in the room, 
That's how your wife should feel about you. This is not a Valentine's Day message. I know Valentine's Day is two days off. This is none of that stuff. But Monday, whatever it is. I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> um, it, it's, this is not that message, but I just want to encourage you husbands. If you, want, if you want your wife to enjoy your marriage, she should find rest in you. She should not have to worry if you're going to love her, if she does the dishes or doesn't do the dishes, if she does this or doesn't do that. You should love her no matter what. You should care for her no matter what. That's just an extra tidbit I'm throwing out there to the husbands. You're welcome. 18 years of marriage. Got to throw something out there. So, like I was saying, Naomi knew that Ruth couldn't keep this going. So, she tells her what to do. She says, go and wash up. Because I know where Boaz is going to be tonight. And this thing is going to go down tonight. We're going to make it happen tonight, right? And you always have to listen to your mother-in-law when she tells you something's going to happen. You've got to do it. So she says, go wash up. And then she says, anoint yourself. Now, she didn't mean anoint yourself like, you know, anoint and then fall out kind of stuff. None of that thing going on. What she meant was, go throw on your Yves Saint Laurent, your Hermes, your, your perfume, whatever it is that was good at that time, the frankincense, whatever it is that the ladies wore at that time. She was like, go throw it on. You got to look, you got to be clean. You got to smell good. And then take off the widow garment. Take off the thing that was showing you that you were continuing to be in mourning. Take it off. Put something new on. Put some new garbs on to go meet this guy. So what does she do? She follows everything through that her mom says. But then she, she lets her know, one key thing that has to happen when she goes to do this. She's like, first off, don't interrupt him while he's eating. Wives, tonight, while your husband's watching the Super Bowl, don't interrupt him while he's eating. <laughs> Just messing around. Um, she's like, wait, watch, observe where he's at. Now, if you knew anything about the timer, this is the time of the judges, so we have to know what's happening, what's going on. The reason why Boaz would be there all night and would be sleeping where they were taking care of the grain is because during the time of the judges, it was the Wild West. It was coming in, raiders was coming in and stealing the grain all the time. They were stealing it. If we read back in Judges, we hear about this guy Gideon who was threshing wheat in a wine press. That don't make sense. How do you even fit in a wine press? It's not that big. But Gideon was a little man. So if we knew the time, we know what's going on. So Boaz knew to protect the wheat, to protect my investment, to protect my business, I, had to, I have to stay here overnight just in case anybody shows up. So Naomi knew this. So Naomi sends Ruth there. She says, wait till he's done eating. Wait till he lays down. Watch where he lays down. Wait till he's asleep. And then go and uncover his feet and lay at his feet. Now, what did it mean to lay at his feet? It was a sign of submission. It was, a, it was a posture of being a servant. That's what servants did with their masters. They laid at their master's feet. It wasn't something that degraded her in any way, shape, or form. It was something that showed the posture of her heart towards Boaz. Let's continue reading. Verses 6 through 9. So he went down to the threat. Oh, sorry. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He 
He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wing over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth goes, she executes the plan perfectly to the T. She did everything her mother-in-law said to do. She uncovered his feet so softly. He must have been a heavy sleeper. He must have had a lot to eat and drink. Because the second my feet are uncovered, I'm waking up. I'm up. Any of you got kids? When your kids walk into the room and they're just standing there staring at you while you're sleeping, I wake up. I'm like, I know somebody's there. So for this dude not to know someone was there, you know. But he wakes up and he's startled. And quickly he realizes it's a woman at his feet. And he's like, who are you? And her address to him was, it's your servant Ruth. She gave her title before she gave her name. She gave the posture of her heart before she gave her name. It's your servant Ruth. And then she follows up with her request. She, put, she says, put your, ring, put your wing over me or your garment over me for you are my redeemer. Now, this is something that was culturally acceptable at the time. This is something that was practiced at the time. When that saying, throw your wing over me, that means she wants to be under the protection, under the provision of Boaz. And we see this repeated throughout Scripture. We see David, the psalmist, highlight it many times. Psalm 17.8 and 36.7 and 61.4. We see this, this imagery of a wing being under the shadow of God's wing. This protection that he provides. And this is what Ruth is asking Boaz for. Now we can't deny the fact that I picked the most sultry piece in all to preach on. There is definitely a sexual connotation that's happening right now, right? Ruth shows up. He's laying down. He's sleeping. She's washed. She's she's kept herself uh, nice and pretty. She's put the perfume on herself. So she looks good. Boaz is there. He's been eating and drinking and he wakes up and there's this, this, this intimacy that's happening right there, right? They're alone. There's not so many people around and so much could go down. And what it showed me was that when Ruth approached Boaz, she trusted Boaz. She trusted him. She knew the kind of man he was. Because as we saw in chapter 2, we saw the man who cared for her, who told his servants, don't touch her, don't put harm on her, who told his, the, the, the one who was overseeing the servants, keep an eye on her, watch her. He told her, don't go to any other field, stay in my field. You'll be protected here. He's the same guy that said, sit next to me during lunch, dip your bread, as Justin shared last week, into the wine to eat. And then he let her take the leftovers home and he sent her home with more. He told the guys, drop extra food for her so she could take some with her. This is the kind of man that she recognized Boaz to be. So she knew Boaz was not going to take advantage of her. She could have easily seduced him. She could have easily made it simple for him to, you know, do what he had to do at that moment in time. But she knew the kind of man he was. And he knew the kind of woman that she was. So that wasn't something that was going to come up. That wasn't something that was going to happen. What it showed us was the kind of redeemer that Boaz was. He was a man of integrity. He was pure in heart. Like it said earlier, he's a worthy man. Let's keep it moving a little bit. We're going to finish off chapter 3. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, 
whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight in the morning. Sorry, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she laid down at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn that the matter turns out, I'm sorry, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Boaz Boaz accepts what Ruth asked him to do, but he makes this acknowledgement. Ruth had opportunities. Ruth was a single, widowed woman. She could have found somebody younger, more wealthy or poor. She could have looked for love, right, very easily. She could have just found somebody. See, but the thing that makes Boaz a redeemer makes others not a redeemer. Let's talk about those that are not a redeemer. When, if she would have married somebody that wasn't of the clan of Elimelech, she probably would have found a husband who took care of her. But that husband didn't have the obligation to take care of Naomi. That husband didn't have the obligation to purchase Elimelech's land. Didn't have the opportunity either. And that person did not have the requirement to carry on Elimelech's name. See, A redeemer in scripture is found multiple times in the Old Testament. And there's different ways that a redeemer had responsibilities to redeem others. And we can look at just a few right here. In Leviticus 25, 48, a redeemer can buy a family member back from slavery. That's awesome. Numbers 35, 19, a redeemer could avenge a murdered family member. They could take vengeance back on someone who murdered their family member. In Leviticus 25, 25, a redeemer could buy back land. And then what we're looking at is in Deuteronomy 25, 5 to 10, a redeemer had the ability to marry a family member's widow and had the responsibility to carry that family member's name on. See, when Boaz said yes, he understood that, all of that was what he needed to do. It wasn't just about marrying Ruth and taking Ruth on as his wife. It was taking Ruth on, caring for Naomi, taking back Elimelech's land, and then carrying on the name of Elimelech. Carrying on that name, that lineage, through the son that he would end up having. That's a lot of responsibility on someone. And for this dude to be like, yup, If this guy, he's like, there's someone who's nearer, and if he doesn't say yes, I'm taking that task. Now, we can see here that 
Boaz didn't think too highly of himself and the fact that he didn't look good because he's like, you could have married a guy who was younger because he was pretty old at that time. So there was this, Boaz didn't see himself as someone who, you know, could find a, a mate, but Ruth chose him. Ruth made herself available to him. And I want to get now into the main part of my sermon today. See, we are like Ruth and Naomi. How do you say? We're bankrupt. We're spiritually bankrupt. We're not physically bankrupt. I I don't know, unless some of you in the room are, and I'm sorry about that. But (laughs) we're spiritually bankrupt. There's no amount of good on this earth that we can ever do to make us right with God, to get us into heaven. There's nothing that we could ever do on earth, no matter how much serving you do, if you walk on uh, nails, if you drag yourself across the floor and repent 10 million times, every breath out of your mouth is just repentance. It does not matter. None of those things can equate and can make you right with God. So like Ruth and Naomi, we're spiritually bankrupt. And then like Naomi, some of us in this room, we may have left the house of God full at one point in time, but we've come back empty. We might have walked away full, right? Because it looks greener on the other side, because outside it looks better. I'm not getting to sing. I have a voice. I'm not getting to sing. You're not using me to sing. So I'm going to go out, and I know that they're going to use me out there to sing. And it's okay, because I still love Jesus. It's okay, I still love God. And then you get out there, and your dreams are crushed. Maybe your dream is to, you know, be wealthy. So so what do you do? You pursue school, you go get this great job, and you pursue all of these things, and you walk out of the house like Naomi, right? She walked out of the land that God had um, given them, the the place that they were home. They walked out, and they, they went to Moab looking for something better, looking for opportunity to live. And everything around them died. And she came back and she said, I'm empty. She said, I'm bitter. Maybe you've walked back into church and you're sitting here week after week and you're bitter. You're like, yeah, I I was full and I was joyful and I'm not anymore. And we got to be real with ourselves. I've done that many times. I've walked out many times full and pursued something and come back empty. And you come back and, you know, Naomi, it sounds like she came back with her tail between her legs. And it was just like, I can't believe I left this place and God's hand stood here and he blessed the people. And all the people that knew her were still there. So God didn't leave his people at that point in time. Or maybe you're like Ruth. You came from outside. And you came in and you have these expectations. And it feels like you're working constantly for God's love. For God's acceptance, for God's, I, I do this. I, I'm in this Bible study, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. God, I just want you to love me more. God, I just want you to do this for me more. And we're walking around, and both people are walking around, and there's no rest for you. There's no rest for your soul. You're walking around, and you're like, God, but I need you, and, and I want you, and I come up here, and I ask this person, I ask Justin to pray for me, I ask Rose to pray for me, and there's no rest for my soul. I'm still walking around, and I still feel bitter. I still feel like a foreigner. I still feel 
Like I'm doing all this work. I'm like I'm gleaning every single day. Like I'm never getting ahead, God. See, but what I love about our Redeemer is that not only did he free us from slavery, not only did he avenge us by taking our place on the cross, like Jess was saying earlier, by hanging on the cross and bleeding for us, he took our judgment upon himself. Not only did he redeem us through his blood, not only did did we gain adoption because of Jesus, but there's this promise of rest that he's given us. See, I named this sermon, Kinsman Redeemer, the promise of rest, because that's what Jesus promised us. In Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, this is what his words are to us. Come to me, all who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the labor, the burdens that we put on ourselves, see those things we're carrying around? The heavy laden are things that other people put on you. Things that other people say, you have to do, you have to hit this mark, you have to do all of these things to be accepted. And Jesus is like, no, you don't. I'm all the acceptance you need. See, Boaz waited for Ruth to come to him to ask to be redeemed. Johnny said it in one of our calls, if I'm not mistaken, Johnny. Ruth was the first woman ever to propose to a man. There's nowhere else that we see that. She was the first one. She got on the bended knee for Boaz. And Boaz accepted. But see, Jesus went the extra mile. He said, I'm not going to wait for you to ask me to be your redeemer. I'm going to go and redeem you before you even know you need redemption. I'm going to go and be there waiting for you. So all you have to do is make yourself available to me. All you have to do is make yourself available to me. You don't have to even ask me. I've already redeemed you. I've already hung on the cross for you. I've already jumped off the cross and conquered death for you. See, this chapter, this this chapter had me so hyped because like Ruth and Naomi these last two years have been a tough place walking around and I thought a vacation was going to be rest I thought some time off was going to be rest I thought binging Netflix every day was going to be rest I thought getting into like crypto was going to be rest I'll just make more money, I'll just do this I thought it was going to be rest for my soul and all I've turned, all I've seen is that it's more gleaning and gleaning and gleaning for no reason whatsoever. I bring it back and it doesn't fill me. I have to go back again to glean. I have to go back again on Netflix. I have to binge something else. I have to watch something else just to feel an escape for a little bit. And Jesus is there. Just come to me. He's like, I know you're burdened. I know you're heavy laden. He's the provision that we need. See, throughout all the book of Ruth, there's been this God's provision, God's provision, God's provision. And he provided a redeemer. Years before, he provided a way for a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. For us, 
eons before we ever knew what, who God was, he provided a redeemer for us. And today, I, I honestly don't know what you guys are going through. I don't know where you've been. You could be like, John, you have no idea what you're talking about. I got plenty of rest. I'm good. And you can continue walking that way. Or you can go to the Redeemer. It's not a one-time rest that he provides. Salvation is one time. The rest that he gives is continual. You just got to go to him and say, Jesus, I'm available. Haroon, you can come up and start playing. When I prepared today's message, I thought about every single one of you in this room. And many of you I don't know personally. But I know he knows you. I know he knows what's going on in your heart. I know when you put your head to your pillow at night and all the things that are swirling around in your head, I can't fix. Justin can't fix. Nobody in this room can fix. But Jesus... He can give you rest. The situation may not end. The circumstances may not stop. But you have a peace and a rest in your soul that only Christ can provide. This is not a salvation message. If you need salvation, cool. Come up to someone and tell them that that's what you need and we'll pray with you. We'll join you in prayer and agreement. But if these last two years or last 20 years or whatever it is has been just destroying your spiritual life has been having you glean every day to try to make amends to try to get some kind of peace and some kind of rest for your soul family, friends none of those things are ever going to do what Jesus can do for you. We're going to have people on the side. I want to encourage you. There's no shame. Come up. Ask for prayer. We'll pray with you. We'll stand in agreement with you. Asking for Christ to give you that rest. And I'm going to pray real quick. And then the worship team is going to come back up and sing a song. Jesus, I thank you for today the reminder that you are our rest. That you've promised to take off everything that's heavy, everything that's weighing. Just like Naomi wanted for Ruth, Lord God, you were going to take everything that was heavy and weighing when you provided Boaz. You were going to make all things well there, God. I pray today, God, that we would seek that rest in you every day. This is not a one-time thing, Jesus. I pray that our heart would yearn for the rest that only you can give, Lord God. No vacation, no time of sleep, no drug, no drink, no binging. Nothing else can solve it. Nothing else, Lord God, can put rest to our souls like a touch from the master, the one who put us together. So today, God, I pray that you would make us bold enough to get up, to seek out that rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen.